Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. Thanks for joining us. Forty years ago, Anne Bancroft met Jan Malcolm on a basketball court, and the two women became close friends. That was long before Jan went on to serve as Minnesota's health commissioner under three Minnesota governors and guided the state through the hard years of the COVID-19 pandemic. It was also many years before Anne became a legendary explorer as the first woman to reach the North Pole on foot and inspired people around the world through her polar expeditions. During their long and close friendship, the two women have supported each other through intense challenges. They weathered personal loss and encouraged each other to follow their dreams. So this hour, we're listening back to my conversation with Jan and Anne. They joined me on the show as part of my Power Pair series. I have interviewed both Jan and Anne separately over the years, and as someone who deeply values friendship, I was surprised and happy to find out that the two of them are longtime friends. So I started our conversation by asking Anne if people are surprised when they find out she's buddies with Jan Malcolm. Well, it's sort of my badge of honor. I mean, you know, <laughs> if I get to say I'm friends with, I know her, you know, uh, I feel like I've just, uh, you know, given myself a nice medal to wear. You know, it's really um, something I'm really proud of. But I don't, I don't know that I get too much surprise. Mm-hmm. And, and Jan, do, you, do people raise their eyebrows when you mention that you're, you're close friends and longtime friends with Anne Bancroft? Oh, well, uh, they're, they're very impressed. And they say, wow, you, how, how did you get so lucky? So I think uh, it's a mutual feeling. We, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like uh, she raises my, my stature as well. So as part of the Power Pair series, uh, I've been sitting down with with prominent Minnesotans who are in a close relationship with each other, with each other, you know, maybe they're siblings, a married couple, or like the two of you best buddies, it could be, you know, a father, daughter, uh, 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 mom and son. And I'm finding that people reveal a different side of themselves when when we're talking about the meaning of these close relationships. So and how do you think your, your friendship with Jan over so many years through so many changes in your life over 40 years? How has that been valuable? How has it added to your life? Do you think? Oh, it's it's been immense. I mean, um, Jan's one has always been one of my my greatest supporters um, from the get-go. Uh, like even before you accomplished anything y- of note. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, I have I have always had wacky dreams, and I would say that I, I speak for Jan. Um, <laughs> she probably didn't always understand them, or you know, definitely didn't want to do some of them. But n- always, always was in my corner. Um, and then throughout the years, I have always considered her a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned from her sitting on boards, you know, watching her quiet leadership style. Um, I want to try and emulate that, but I'm a lot hotter, uh, come in a little hotter than she does. She's very measured and, and fair. Um, so, yes, yeah, support, number one, all through our 40-plus years, um, but also a great teacher for me. Um, and somebody, you know, you could I, I, I remember sitting in a canoe and just pouring out my heart. So also a confidant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's filled many shoes. Uh, you know, she's just been uh, sort of... A good listener. Y- yeah. Because I think if you come to me, Anne, and you're like, I think I want to spend, uh, you know, a few <laughs> weeks walking around in the snow on on foot. I'd be like, what are you talking about? That sounds dangerous. <laughs> right? Well, she kind of did say that, but... <laughs> she did. 
<laughs> so, uh, Jan, what about you? How has having Anne as a close friend for so many years of your life, how do you think it's been valuable? How has it helped you? It's oh, Wow. I mean, it's a wonderful and, and important question, but hard to answer simply. Mm-hmm. I mean, as Anne said, we've been we've been friends and supporters of each other in in a lot of different ways from the from the most personal um and intimate the losses that we've both been through um to, to professional challenges and having having that consistency of support somebody who's who's uh, known known me so long for so well um uh, it's it's just it's irre- it's irreplaceable mm-hmm. um there's a there's a safety um and a in a, in a depth that is just hard to hard to imagine um, having that with with too many people. I just feel so fortunate that I've got a great network of friends, and Anne has been the, just really a rock for me. And I want everyone to hear the story of how you met. Uh, it involves sports teams. Uh, Jan, <laughs> uh, I'm course. told you can take the lead on this. Uh, tell me about this this softball team that you were both on this this league uh, when you were in your 20s. Uh, after you moved back to Minnesota, how did that lead to meeting Anne? Oh yeah, well, you know, um, we're we're of an age, both of us, uh, that uh, Title IX was not something that that. Uh, that existed uh, as as I, as we were growing up. Um, I didn't get a chance to play sports uh, at all, really, other than you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the cul-de-sac with my my neighborhood friends. Um, growing up, I did a little bit of of uh, crew at, at Dartmouth, um, but really had no team sports experience. Although I was always you know fancied myself a uh, you know a tomboy and a jock. So <laughs> coming coming back, um, you know there were. There was a, you know, a park rec um, women's softball league and a and a group of women who had been playing together already for a number of years, and uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, try out and make the team. I I think I just had a, a lucky catch of a of an outfield fly or something mm-hmm. that got me uh, got me on the team. Mm-hmm. But so we were playing softball for an, uh, a couple of years um, and then decided. Well, you know, and we were pretty good, actually, for not having had a lot of athletic background, um, maybe because there wasn't much competition way back then. <laughs> but um, we, uh, you know, one of, one of our gangs thought, you know, we should do something in the, in, in the off season. I bet you, let's play basketball. Because it gets cold, you know, right? It gets, yeah, exactly. yeah. You can't play softball all year here. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, basketball, that sounds fun and good exercise. And silly us, we thought if we had any athletic skill, it would transfer over to uh, basketball, which it totally did not. So we we had a really high opinion of ourselves, <laughs> and it, we were horrible. And one of our, our friends said, oh, "I know, I know a woman who's who's a basketball coach. I ha- I'm going to have her come and help us." And we all thought, "Well, that that that'd be all right." Uh, <laughs> so, so then we uh, this I don't know, you know, Anne can tell the story of uh, how she was cajoled into this because she was quite busy as a teacher. Um, at that time, but uh, you're, she, you're she teaching up. Yeah, she's teaching in a school, and you've got some basketball skills. Well, yeah. I'm also a coach, so oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was coaching deal. girls JV mm-hmm. and, in, in St. Paul, and uh, so I didn't want to go look at these women <laughs> in a church basement. I just and this woman kept saying, you know, they're they're really terrible. They need some help, and I go, I don't have any time for this. But I had just moved back 
recently, too, from being away from Minnesota for many years. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, I'll meet some people, I guess. And that's a good thing. So I went to the I went to this basement, and they were horrible. They were just horrible. And I sat and watched them. And Jan's the tallest on the team. And they were just like, you know, when five-year-olds are on the soccer field and they all bunch together, everybody wants to kick the ball. That's kind of the way these women were. And I couldn't stand it after watching them for a bit. I had to just go out there and start coaching, and then it was no return. (laughs) Wow. Uh, so it, it says a lot about, um, you know, being willing and to say yes to volunteer to help. But, uh, so if the, the, the team eventually gave up basketball and, but continued on as softball, and then you were pulled in to play softball with them. Is that right, Anne? Well, I, I started to, they all became, you know, a lot of them get, became good friends like Jan. And so I wanted to hang out with them. And they would go out for pizza and beer after and, and is this still uh, going on today? Isn't this group no, we've, still? Well, no, no, we've gotten smart and slowed down. We <laughs> kind of needed oxygen tanks on second base. But know? that group of yeah. friends—that's a larger circle of you all who are still. Yeah, friends. there's yeah. a whole cadre of wow. us, and but they made me try out, and I was incensed yes, <laughs> that they would do this. But that, uh, Jan, that says a lot about being open to try new things, right? You never know what can happen. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It was you know one of those. Absolutely wonderful twists of faith that uh, has has <laughs> given us many gifts over the years. But we had a, just a a lot of fun, uh, you know, playing, literally playing, and and uh, and making these close friendships through sports, which you know is, is such an important developmental thing for mm-hmm. for kids, girls, and uh, you know, especially who had been lacking that. So it's it's not surprising that it it originated through uh, through sports. We. We often refer to it as our delayed adolescence. Um, we we were, we had to, we we played hard in our twenties and thirties. We we probably played, you know, a good good five or ten years past when we really should have. But it was uh, it always remained fun even after we were no longer um, such hot shots. Before we continue, uh, I want to let our listeners know a little bit more about each of you. Again, this is uh, the, the latest power pair I'm sharing with you. Anne Bancroft is here. Anne is an adventurer, an author, and a teacher. She was the first woman to reach the North Pole on foot and sled and to cross the Arctic and the Antarctic. She's also the founder of the Anne Bancroft Foundation, which we'll hear more about soon. Jan Malcolm retired as Minnesota's health commissioner at the very beginning of this year after serving under Governor Tim Walz. She was appointed as commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Health back in 2018 by Governor Mark Dayton and has also served in this role under Governor Jesse Ventura. And she has been a vice president at Alina Health and Health Partners, as well as the CEO of the Courage Center. Uh, We've referenced losses, that you've had each other through losses. Um, And I know that you both lost your mothers uh, in in recent years. And and Jan, your mother uh, died during the pandemic, actually in September of 2020. Is that correct? Yeah, that is right. And if you think... We've actually both lost both of our parents in recent years. Ah, and and so... uh, in September of 2020, when your mom passed, you you were leading the states. It was just really sort of beginning. The the pandem- pandemic was was really just starting to, uh, you know, cases were spreading here in Minnesota and nationally. And so, you know, what was that like for you? And and what role did did Anne play in helping you get through that? Well, um, yeah, I mean, 2020 was was a just just an awful year for so many of us on on so many levels, but personal loss. I'd also lost my longtime partner and spouse in January of, of 
2020, right before the, the pandemic arrived in Minnesota. Uh, so it was a really rough year. And uh, Anne and, and, and my family and my, uh, my sister, my, my extended family uh, on, this, on Chris's side, my spouse, and our, our network of friends just were incredibly helpful in, in helping me um, survive that, um, mm-hmm. kind of that double whammy of an incredibly intense period uh, work-wise uh, while going through um, personal loss. Um, and again, just that, you know, whether it was getting on the phone, you know, getting on a, a FaceTime or a Zoom call to sit over a glass of wine at the end of a difficult day um and then and others <laughs> brought me brought me meals bless them um and just you know were always checking in on me um and and it was it was just i could not have i could not have gotten through it at all without the the kind of uh, family and friend support that i had and i don't think most people knew that you lost uh both your wife and your mother uh in 2020 as you're you know being a very public figure and and yeah. leading um helping the state you know, lead the response to COVID-19. Recently, I heard someone talk about the gift of presence, Hmm. Um, just having someone be present. And so, Jan, was that a gift to you, this this gift of presence? Oh, absolutely. It was, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not an exaggeration to say I I do not believe I would have have survived that that experience without, without the kind of love and support that I had. And 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 um, you also your mom passed away uh, recently, and you were very involved in, in her care. I know. Um, and so, what role did did Jan play in helping you get through that? Uh, it was very similar. It was uh, you know texting, just letting me know that she was out there thinking about me, um, and not necessarily requiring me to have to reciprocate on that message because sometimes you just don't have it in you. Um, being just physically being there, you know, and, and going out and we could commiserate together about and uh, about our moms and what they meant to us and, um, you know, over, a, over a meal. And, uh, so it's, 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 it's having a shared experience, but also someone who you have absolutely no, um, no worries about the weight of the grief and sharing that weight with her. Because sometimes we worry, like, I don't want to say too much because I might upset y- the other person. Yeah, or, right. or you know, mm-hmm. I have, I actually, you know, sometimes people have expectations when they reach out. There was none of that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we have a real fluidity, I think, a real comfortability. Uh, just we don't always have to actually talk. You know, Jan can do her work. She can be on two phones and, you know, a Zoom all at the same time. And I can be cooking dinner in the kitchen and mm. and it's her kitchen. You know, she doesn't have to worry. Um, so that kind of comfort and comfortability um, is enormous. And it doesn't come with every kind of friend. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, again, we're talking with another power pair. We're talking about um, longtime friendships. And I'm talking um, with Jan Malcolm, many of you know, as Minnesota's former health commissioner, and Ann Bancroft, a, a well-known um, explorer and also the founder of a foundation that's doing some great work. Let's go to St. Paul and take a phone call from a listener. This is Tish on the line. And, and Tish, what do you want to tell us or ask? 
Oh, my gosh. This is a terrific power pair to be uh, focused on and and to uh, just to talk to today. I love it. Anne and Jan are a, a treasure to all of us in Minnesota and beyond, and they, they have just demonstrated so much courage and confidence and character, and they both have made the world a better place for all of us, and I'm grateful for that. But especially the way that they're able to mentor and inspire young girls and young women. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope that they're able to talk a little bit about that because they really pay it forward. Thank Mm. you. All right. Thank you, uh, Tish and St. Paul. Uh, Sounds like a a good time to talk about the foundation, the Anne Bancroft Foundation, which um, celebrated 25 years Recently, right? Yeah, it's been we're twenty. We're twenty six years old, I think. Right, and and for <laughs> people who don't know what the foundation does, uh, what? How do you explain it very briefly? Briefly, we we are a granting foundation. We give grants to Minnesota girls all over the state. Um, that grant goes to an experience that we think taps into their potential and their courage. It's all there. Um, we try and. Uh, help them illuminate that in really powerful ways. So it could be a girl like, oh, I want to go to this camp, or I want to buy this instrument, but I don't have the money. And then this grant makes this thing possible. That's right. And then how young can they be? Uh, I think it's five through high school, Mm -hmm. um, because uh, that age is... Age five? or Age five. Age five. I don't think we (laughs) do too many five-year-olds, but um, we wanted to do that when we inherited uh, the uh, sports granting organization mm-hmm. um, because they had that stipulation, girls, the earlier a girl gets into sport, the more powerful it is. Mm-hmm. I think there's some discussion about moving that a little older. Now, I know in the beginning, the grant was just, I think it was $500 to sort of like meet this gap, something that was keeping a, a, a child from being able to do something that could be really could really transform their lives. Is that what it still is? It's a $500 grant or is it more? No, we've uh we've um increased the uh, grant amount to 1000 per uh grantee. Um the cost of living has expanded, the right. cost of everything has expanded and so we wanted to stay pace with that. And it also give me an example because sometimes isn't it just like I I want to go to NASA. I want to take a tour of something. Like what are some of the examples of what uh girls are asking for that oh these goodness. grants have made possible for them? Well, one thing I'll tell you is that it's been so fun over 26 mm-hmm. years to watch the the different uh applications because mm-hmm. things change for girls. We're not mm-hmm. it's not a static group. Um but it is across the board. It's a it's a, just a rainbow of things from one girl wanted to be an entrepreneur, and she started an app. Um, and another girl went to a government camp. Uh, Concordia mm-hmm. Language Camp is big. Dance, mm-hmm. uh, basketball, so that they're not growing up like us. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just everything you can imagine um, is asked for. And it's so fun to see what is sparking mm-hmm. all of our Minnesota girls and what they're what they're looking at and thinking about and wanting to do and wanting to be. And I understand, uh, Jan, that as as Anne is thinking about, I think I want to start a foundation. <laughs> that you were there in the background. You're like, well, I'm a, a an executive. I'm a health, you know, <laughs> policy person. Maybe I can help yeah. you out. What was your role in, in trying to help her get this foundation off the ground? Or were you like, ah, I don't know, that's a lot of work. Oh, no, I was I was all in from from the very beginning and. Um, you know, originally the the foundation um, 
was was really trying to help support the educational mission of Anne's explorations. I mean that, and that's always been kind of at the core of of Anne and 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 her uh, expedition partner Leave. Uh, they're educators, and they they use their trips, um, you know, to to connect with kids all over the world mm-hmm. about the environment, and um, so. You know, but there was no financial support for uh, for what they were doing with the expeditions. So originally, we were, you know, trying to to, to raise money to support that educational um, purpose. And then Anne had the idea of wanting to um, take advantage of the you know of the of, of the fame that she had developed and this and the incredible support that she attracts for being her, and and get other uh, generous people to help. Uh, donate to create some resources so that uh, other girls could have some of that same, you know, kind of spark that she talked about and that, and that support uh, to help them aim for something bigger as she had done. So it was her idea to, to really spread out and, um, and, and, and make this granting program. Uh, it's very unique. It's not a lot of foundations mm-hmm. that give individually targeted grants, especially at that sort of micro level. Um, and so I had been, you know, helping her with the, you know, kind of the expedition educational stuff all along. And it was a, I was so proud of her to want to make this leap into a different kind of impact. So I um, had been on the board, uh, kind of the founding board mm-hmm. of the uh, of the foundation, and and actually it it started off being called the. Um, American Women's Expedition Foundation, and and when she was on the ice on one of her trips, I said, "No, no, we're changing it to the Anne Bancroft Foundation," because <laughs> I knew she would never I let forgiven us her do that. For that yet. Here. The name yeah. recognition, and now twenty-seven years later, some of these girls—they're grown women. They've had career successes. Uh, anyone you want to note, or can you tell us like what some of them have gone on to do? Well, one of my favorite ones is uh, back in the day, uh, a young woman wrote, and she said. I've always wanted to see a manatee in Florida. And um, we always ask the girls to to sort of report back after their grant experience to sort of pay it, you know, mm-hmm. complete the circle of the experience. And she wrote this wonderful letter and she said, Dear ABF, you have over-delivered. I not only swam with one manatee, I swam with a hundred. Oh, because they're like cows. They swim all in these mm-hmm. big... And and she's gone on to be a biologist. Wow! And um, so there's there's many many stories like that, and I I would say that all of our board and uh, staff you know have their favorites and they pull them out. Everybody reads the the grants applications; they're just so heartfelt and wonderful. We're talking with uh, adventurer. Uh, explorer, <laughs> teacher, uh, Anne Bancroft, uh, about the Anne Bancroft Foundation, but also about one of her best buddies, a <laughs> friend for more than 40 years, former Minnesota Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm. Uh, here's a phone call, a listener in Wisconsin, in Dresser, Wisconsin. Jennifer is on the phone. Good morning, Jennifer. What do you want to ask or share? Oh, good morning. And hi, Anne. It's Jennifer. I used to work at the foundation. Um, and one of the things that just really... That's one of the things that just really inspired me to want to Wisconsin and to open a, a bed and breakfast. It's been a lifelong dream. And um, just having knowing Anne and seeing what she's done and seeing how she interacts with people was so inspirational. And like Anne, I have two good friends that I've been friends with since the second grade, um, and we're still friends 50 years 
kids, grandkids later. And um, what they give me is way more than I could ever get back. And um, just, you know, I just always tell people, even at 59, go for it. Follow your dreams and just know that you've got the support and the inspiration of people like Ann and Jan and your friends since the second grade. Thanks, Jennifer. That's Jennifer. (laughs) I have a a written comment here. This is uh, from Barb in Eaton Prairie. Barb says, I can't stay on the phone, Angela, but I'm a nurse. I've always wanted to thank Jan Malcolm. Her leadership during the pandemic was outstanding, just outstanding. I never got a chance to email her to tell her this when she had a public email, but I wanted to let her know how much I appreciated her leadership. That's from Barb in Eaton Prairie, Jan. That's so great. Mm -hmm. Were you worried about Jan? And during the pandemic, at the uh, height of it, because yeah, it was. It? And I'm so glad to get you know that that uh, woman wrote in because uh, you know I I watched those years. Uh, you know we would we would call Jan or or we would all have dinner our little pack mm-hmm. of old friends and um, we would tell her how important that that the the briefings were each week. Mm-hmm. And we you know used that, to air them live here on the radio daily. And I would tune in, yeah. I, you know, I something I would never have done with anybody else. And you you could see that she was not letting that, it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. But then when she was getting ready to retire, we were in a public place and watching strangers come up to her and greet her just like this woman um, articulated. It was so warming and... Um, and I could see it start to seep in under her, mm-hmm. under her hide a little bit, and that mm-hmm. was that was really comforting for me because she uh, is the last person to know how powerful and wonderful and gifted she is. Jen, were there times where you, where you felt like this is just too much? I know there were times I'm like, this is just too much. Like I felt <laughs> like I was going to break. Did you have moments like that during the height well, of the pandemic? Yeah, you know, it was a very, very, very intense time, and and so many people in public health and healthcare just gave of themselves beyond what I think, you know, folks can even imagine. It was just unrelenting pressure for almost mm-hmm. three years and, and really, really scary. You know, was, mm-hmm. we didn't know at the, at the beginning, we really had no idea what we were dealing with. The information changed on an hourly basis and mm-hmm. we felt uh, very responsible for, uh, for the lives of Minnesotans and, you know, and, and uh, so many difficult things about the pandemic and so many lessons I hope that we will learn going forward. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really intense. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was, um, after, Chris, uh, after Chris died in January, I, I spent most of 2020, you know, working remotely and, and uh, living with my mom, uh, whose health was not great. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and she would, uh, you know, she, she would, buck me up as well, you know, um, but she, she had a credit, my mother, Nancy, um, my, my sister, Andrea, my brother-in-law and, and I were very close with, with our mom. Um, and she had a super strong work ethic and she would, she sort of like refused to let me, um, get too despondent. She's like, just pick mm. yourself up and go do that thing. You know? So, um, was she like, get your friends on the phone, have them come <laughs> yeah. over here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whatever you need to keep going, you must keep going. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, uh it was, a, it was, I, I just cannot say enough about what, uh, what public health folks and healthcare folks did during those years. And, uh, um, you know, and, and said, I, 
I have a kind of a hard time sometimes thinking that my role is so, so important when I know how many people um, were giving of themselves every hour of the day. But it, it was it was an enormous um, it was hell, but it was an enormous privilege to to serve at that time as well. So I'm I'm grateful for all the wonderful colleagues. And you caught criticism when I mean oh, yeah. harsh criticism at time uh, was was Anne someone you called to say. Can, can I just read this email to you, Anne? Can you believe this? I mean, did, did you lean on her in some ways, like, you know, on those 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 hard days? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the, I, I needed to, to share some of the some of the nastiness um, with folks. But um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't didn't want to have them see all the all the nastiness. Um, but it. <laughs> I think it was it was you know this is the whole nature of it. It became so unfortunately politicized and and it was such a kind of a public punching bag at sometimes that mm-hmm. of course my Anne and and family and friends could see uh, could see that and they just sort of would, Anne would always you know just <laughs> you know in her in colorful language you know just try to put put that in perspective and. We uh, we need those on the good. those friends with colorful language. I like <laughs> yeah. that. I like learning that about you, Anne. All right, uh, we have a listener in Minneapolis named Aaron who's on the line. Good morning, Aaron. What do you want to tell us? Well, I wanted to start with um, I'm 45, so I'm a little bit younger. But I have been I have a best friend that we have been friends since we were 11 years old. Um, and one of the things I I value most in the relationship as we have diverged as the years go by is that regardless of kind of where I'm at or what's wrong, or I know I can make that phone call. And I know that my friend will make space for me um, to listen, to ask questions. Um, and that's, you know, super important. Just like Jan and Anne were talking about supporting each other. Um, and I had a question, and that is, what do you think has been your biggest conflict as friends, and how did you choose to handle it? Wow. Ooh. Okay, so you're 45 now, and you have a close friend, you said, since you guys were about 11 years old, Erin? Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is, uh, Have has there been conflict over the, the 40 years that you guys have been friends, Jan and Anne? Jan, have there been some times when you felt a little distant, or maybe the, your, your interactions fell off for a bit because you were busy? Hmm. Wow. I, was, you know, I, I think I, I'd have to say I, perhaps it's, it's, it's unusual, but I, I don't think we've had a lot of um, conflict in terms of just disagreeing about something. You know, I think um, we, we are, we are both busy and especially when Anne is gone sometimes for months on end, I, I, I just wish that I had more, more time with her, but um, I don't know that that's so much of a Mm -hmm. conflict, but as Anne said, I think we, whether we're seeing each other as much as we'd like or not, we, we, uh, we, we always know the other one is there, but I can't really think of uh of a conflict, I probably I know I've given her some bad advice along the way, but she's she hasn't she hasn't held that against me too much. Have you ever been angry at her? Do you think Anne? Uh, I've been or frustrated with frustrated? her, and that's only when when she it's it's sort of like during the COVID three years um, when when you can't get uh, her impact through her, to her that frustrates the heck out of me what do you mean you, when you want to help her see herself or, or how how impactful she is how what a strong leader she is she's the most self 
you know, deprecating mm-hmm. person, and she doesn't always believe in her own power, and that frustrates the heck out of me because <laughs> so I just want her to know how amazing she is. Mm-hmm. You want to uh, be a say mirror. the same about about mm-hmm. Anne. But as, <laughs> since we're on that subject, I think that that is that is really true. I think it's another thing friends do for each other. Certainly, certainly we do. But Anne, Anne, I think uh, even though she she can lecture me about that, uh, it goes both ways. I, I, I often have not felt that Anne appreciates, um, you know, kind of the magnitude of her impact either. It's like, oh, I only take trips. You know, no, well, <laughs> you've you've changed a lot of people's. Uh, understandings of 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 the world and the environment and Mm -hmm. back at you there yeah well you know we we haven't had conflict and i think that has to do with the fact that you have confidence individually there's a lot of self-confidence i want to share something about friendship one of the things that i have endured uh i'm 55 over the years in in making friends uh particularly friends who are women is that you know we can be competitive of one another yeah right and often you know women i think we miss out on some beautiful friendships because we instantly go to comparing ourselves to one another. And maybe it's because I worked in, in television for a long time. So, I mean, a lot of that uh, competition is actually encouraged, you know, yeah. by our employers. But um, I am drawn to other confident uh, women. Uh, and it has, you know, I, I have found that, you know, that's not always the case, that sometimes, um, you know, particularly if you're somewhat insecure, if someone walks into the room and they're shining a little too brightly, then you, you know, you distance themselves uh, to that woman. But I, I, when I meet someone that I'm like, oh my gosh, she's gorgeous and she is smart and she is generous and like, she's great. Like, I want to be close to her because like, yeah. I want to learn more. I want to be like you. But I've also seen the other, the opposite, like, oh, she thinks she's all that. So what do you have to say? Or do you have any thoughts on like, maybe women being competitive sometimes when really they're missing out on an opportunity? Maybe you found someone that could be a good friend. Jan? Uh, you know that's a really interesting point, and I think um, you know I've I've always uh, I have, I, I've, as you just said I think I've always been drawn to uh, to, to to women and and men who who um, who do project uh, strength and confidence and competence, um, and you know and 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 Anne you know mentioned about leadership I I. Could, <laughs> I I've had, you know, in the teams that I have, um, that have worked for me, that know of Anne, have heard Anne speak, I've more than once, somebody has come back and said, could you please be a little more like Anne? Oh, that's <laughs> got a sting. Just your leadership style. I mean, she's, uh, she, she, she knows about, about teamwork and, and about, you know, manage, how to manage through very difficult times. And that, as a uh, kind of a conflict avoidant peacemaker, that I have struggled with that. And uh, and I, I've 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 learned by watching Anne, you know, that you you just can't avoid those things for forever. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, I carried um, a, these little um, books with me on my journeys, and in two thousand, my mother's idea to get ask my friends and family for poetry mm-hmm. because I, it, the trips are too long to take a dozen books; they're too heavy. Oh and, wow! And isolate. I hadn't thought about that. So you're, yeah. you're traveling really light. So trying to travel light and and really stay focused on the task at hand. And books, you know, novels can pull you away. Mm-hmm. They yeah. transport you. So my mom came up with this wonderful idea. And in 2000, I just can, if I could, can I read what Jan wrote? 
a, a poem? Well, she didn't write the poem, but she selected a poem, and then, but um, it was printed the her rationale for selecting this poem. And I think it speaks to a little bit of what we're all talking about here in this hour. Tell me, so she sent this to you when? What was happening? Um, I'm getting ready to cross Antarctica for 100 days. Oh, my gosh, Anne. And so I've <laughs> okay. got this this mm-hmm. small little volume of poetry from nieces and nephews and friends. And Jan would always contribute to this. Okay. And so she writes this little description before she gives me the poem. And I carried that as well because mm-hmm. that kind of gives it sort of mm-hmm. the meat of the, the whole skeleton. Please read. All right, because I think it kind of says it because she's so much more articulate. Uh, Anne, so here is the poem I picked. Not sure why some words reach out at some times and others uh, other than others. This struck me as an appropriate one because of the ongoing quest at, to find your spark. Through a, through a different path, I feel somehow that you and I understand the search and the difficulty of it in a way that underscores the completed, unique bond I feel we have. The idea that the spark is right there in you and in me is comforting and challenging. And maybe I was drawn to these words because of the image of homecoming as I will walk forward to yours every single day. I love you, my dear friend. You are crazy, a wonderful soul. And, you know, the poem is great, but that just encapsulates for me how she's just been steadfast and how um, how we talk about both our work, that our work is so different from each other. In fact, I don't understand what the heck she does. <laughs> you know, so there can't be competition because I don't know what she really is talking about. But... Um, the quest for the passion of our works and the passion for our steadfast friendship, I think mm-hmm. she nails right. um, in such a wonderful way. Find the spark. Um, Jan, what do you remember about writing that to Anne as she's uh, about to start this polar expedition? Well, that's amazing that you that you pulled that out. I'm I'm really hold, quite I'm she really brought quite, it in. She's holding it. <laughs> I see that. I, mean, I hear that. Um <laughs> I, that's, a, that's lovely. Um, you know, I do, I, I do remember, um, you know, kind of both that simultaneous is that such pride in you, but also such anxiety about the danger of what you were doing. And like, you know, and I, I kept hoping that, okay, maybe now she's got this out of her system, <laughs> but she just keeps doing more. Um, but I know that's what, that's what, uh, that's where, where she finds her her inspiration so even if it's I can't imagine freezing that way for that long and working that hard um, it clearly is what what gives you joy so then then that gives me joy so I'm that's lovely that you kept that but it sounds like throughout uh, the 40 years the message that you have for each other is you are never alone that's right that is so right and and it you know it it could you know she's down you know in her office during covid for i don't know 16 hours a day you know it's mm-hmm. just like crazy or else isolated at home and doing it all electronically and i'm the- out on the ice yeah. you know we are we we look like we're alone sometimes and i think we feel alone and then you come back to a notation like that or that's 
the power of bringing something mm-hmm. is it reminds me I am not alone. I've got this steadfast support, mm-hmm. you know, on my flank that is unwavering. It's and a, that's It's a feeling, feeling that's empowering. Yeah. Right? It is so, so empowering. Uh, Jan Malcolm, uh, retired now as Minnesota's health commissioner, helped lead the state through the height of the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, Polar Explorer and Foundation founder Anne Bancroft uh, here, friends for more than 40 years. Uh, in St. Paul, Sheila's on the phone. Hi, Sheila. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, hi, Anne and Jan. Um, I am very privileged to have crossed paths many, many times with Anne as a um, lifetime family friend and Jan and lots of health policy circles. So I'm thrilled that this is the power couple that's on the call this morning. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say thank you first for your inspiration. Um, you both have been incredible role models for me. And second, I want to ask a question, and that is um, to state the obvious. You both have faced incredible adversity in your personal and professional lives, both human and uh, nature-made, out there on the tundra (laughs) of uh, both health policy as well as in nature. And I'm wondering how you, where you find hope. How do you keep going in the face of such incredible adversity? Mm, These are difficult times. They are. They, they, they exude great optimism. You can hear it in their voices. Um, um, How do you stay um, hopeful? Jan. Well, hi, Sheila. Thank you for for calling in. Um, You know, I think for me, um, uh, finding hope is about, you know, okay, so this this has been, we're talking about the pandemic, this has been brutally hard. But boy, boy, were there important things that we could learn and take away from it to, to be better, you know, to mm-hmm. not only be better prepared for future health emergencies, but just how, how our health systems serve or don't serve people every day. So I, I take hope out of the, out of the difficulty um, because of what you learn from it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, that, that really takes a, takes a commitment to, you know, not just say, well, thank God that's over, but to lean into it and say, what did we learn and what are we going to do? To make it better, so there's an opportunity that comes out of out of darkness sometimes. Yes, mm-hmm. and how do you stay hopeful? Uh, I I think of all the millions of kids that follow on these journeys. Um, so I look back on my sled metaphorically, and I see, you know, three five million kids, their faces and and uh, their enthusiasm for what's ahead for them, and that that overflows to me and makes me. F- uh, sort of move through the adversity, whatever that might be. I think of the grantees at the foundation um, and the hope that they exude. So I find it in the young people that I'm lucky enough to interact with. Any advice? And I'll last a couple of minutes here. Um, uh, most of us, we won't have an opportunity to have 40-year friendships, but we can make new friends today. <laughs> so any any words of advice to our listeners across the state of uh, being open to Friendship, and well, I was going to say, be open, um, and and be open, be open yeah, to be all open. sorts of ages and friends pe- of different ages. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love my younger friends. Um, they just give me energy, uh, you know, and just uh, lots of different kinds of friends. It's so mm-hmm. fun. I feel like <laughs> my life at sixty-eight is richer 
in friends than ever before in my life. And uh, Jan, we just have a minute left here. Any advice on on making new friends today? Now you're at home, so we can't make new friends sitting home on the couch. <laughs> right. Well, and and sorry, I'm I'm not with you. And as it turns out, I actually got COVID again, so I'm on my last day of isolation or quarantine and isolation. Just reminding Minnesotans, it's still out there. Take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say yes. Be open and. Uh, new friends, it's never too late. But I'm also finding uh, an opportunity to deepen friendships with friends uh, from earlier. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. don't forget about that either. Um, having more time in retirement, um, that's a big priority for me to just improve on the friendships I already have, even ones as wonderful as my one with Anne. We're, mm-hmm. we're getting closer, too, as time goes on. We've been listening to a conversation I had in November with power pair Anne Bancroft and Jan Malcolm. They've been close friends for 40 years. Jan retired as Minnesota's health commissioner at the very beginning of this year. And she's also been a vice president at Alina Health and Health Partners, as well as the CEO of Courage Center. Anne is a polar explorer, an adventurer, an author, and a teacher. She was the first woman to reach the North Pole on foot and sled and to cross the Arctic and Antarctic. She's also the founder of the Anne Bancroft Foundation. I hope you enjoyed the power pairs that I introduced you to in 2023. I am looking forward to talking to many more in 2024. And I need your help. If you have a suggestion for a power pair I should talk to in the new year, send me an email. Email me at adavis at mpr.org. It could be a married couple, best friends, siblings, or maybe a father-son, mother-daughter dynamic duo. Send me your ideas. If you missed part of today's show, remember you can always listen to our podcast. Catch any of our shows on the podcast. Just search for NPR News with Angela Davis wherever you get your podcasts. Listen when it's convenient for you. This conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom. Be safe, everyone. Be safe, everyone.